Hello, and welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter-by-chapter read of Lord of the Rings. My name is Anna. And my name is Ellen. And in today's episode, we are discussing Book 2, Chapter 3, The Ring Goes South, exploring shared goals in community. So, Anna, I know that you are a goal setter. That is something that we both have in common Mm -hmm. would you say that you are more intrinsically or extrinsically motivated when it comes to your goals i would argue i'm more intrinsically motivated on most fronts i think that as you and perhaps our listeners are learning to become aware of i am a worrier and i am an overthinker it's true And thusly, I am often motivated to do things because my worrying is present on my mind and the planning and the goal setting help me to to mitigate that or to feel a little bit more sense of control over the things that I can control. Mm, mm -hmm. What about you? I always thought I was intrinsically motivated because it sounds better, and then I realized that I'm really not. Um, I am extrinsically motivated. I cannot work out just because I know it's good for me. I have to sign up for a race and then like tell a couple of people about it so that I'm motivated to actually train for it and not go back on my now public goal. I think that's interesting because I definitely feel that way about some topics. But not all. Like, I think working out is a really good example because I am much more extrinsically motivated in that regard than I am, say, for career goals or through education. I'm interested in that. I'm interested in your intrinsicness. <laughs> There's just a lot of things going on inside me all the time. Mm-hmm. And that is what motivates me to do all of the things that you see about me as a person. Wow. <laughs> It's good to know. Learning learning more about you each day. Yes. So would you argue then that the the group is a good mix of intrinsic and, and extrinsic motivated folks? Or or how are you kind of assessing our, our nine group here? Well, I think everyone has very different goals and very different motivations. It's hard to know who falls into which camp because they have such different goals. Boromir's goal is to take care of his people, and Gandalf's goal is to set up Middle-earth for 100 euros of peacetime. I think the only two people that we really get a good look at are Frodo and Sam, and I think Sam is has a lot of intrinsic motivation, and his devotion to Frodo can help him move forward. I don't know about Frodo, though. What do you think about him? That's tough because he has not set this goal for himself, Mm, right? He's mm -hmm. sort of reluctantly come to this responsibility, as we talked a lot about in our previous episodes. This has been placed upon him. And I think that feels challenging then to assign to the individual because they themselves have not chosen this. And so their motivation becomes less pertinent to the responsibility. Right. Yeah. He, he's here of his own free will, but this isn't his first choice activity. Absolutely not. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty low on the list. <laughs> pretty low on the list. There's a lot of... Regret might be a strong word, but there is a lot of reflection throughout the books about, like, why me? 
why me would love to be napping please help me get to that that point I am extrinsically motivated by snacks, and mm. there have been a notable absence of snacks for mm-hmm. the whole journey. Mm-hmm. This lemdis bread is only doing so much for me. Mm-hmm. So we've talked a little bit about what motivates a person, um, and I think then we'll transition even into what it means to have a shared goal as a community. So Ellen, do you have a story for us today? I do. I do have a story today. When it comes to shared goals and when I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about today for the story, being on a team came to mind. And I think it's one of the strongest instances of a group of people coming together to achieve a shared goal. And it isn't always a sports team. And that's what my story is about today. I didn't do a lot of team sports in my past. But when I was in college, I participated in a 24-hour dance marathon my junior and senior year. And the goal of the dance marathon was to raise money for one of the local Children's Miracle Network hospitals in Chicago. And different university groups at my alma mater, like sororities or the student government, they would all sign up for this dance marathon and make teams to participate. And each team would set their own fundraising goal. And then there would also be a larger goal for for the dance marathon in general. It's sort of like Relay for Life, if you are familiar with that. But instead of walking, you're dancing. And uh, the team that I was on was called the Executive Committee. Because in addition to having our own fundraising goal, we were also in charge of planning the entire dance marathon. And that was an extremely involved process. We started about nine months out and had to coordinate all of the resources, all of the logistics, needed to support 500 students in their fundraising efforts, as well as keep them fed and occupied over the 24-hour dance marathon itself when they, me too, we, are not allowed to sit down at all. But we did it, and... Needless to say, after those nine months of planning and fundraising, you become incredibly close with your teammates. And during the dance marathon itself, we would all lead the participants in a 10-minute choreographed dance every hour on the hour, with the last hour ending in a huge onstage reveal of how much money we had raised over the last almost year. So we do the dance, you're tired, you haven't sat down or slept in more than 24 hours, and then you turn around on the stage to see how much money has been raised and if you've met the goal. It's always very, very emotional, and I remember both years we turned around as a collective group and saw that we had exceeded our goal and raised more money for the children's hospital than we had hoped or planned for. But what's funny now looking back and remembering this is that I have zero recollection of how much was raised or what our goal number was. At the time, that number, you know, it looms so large in your head. It's like almost it's hanging over you because it's a publicly stated goal that you work towards for almost a year. And as I've just shared, I am extrinsically motivated and I do not want to fail in public. And then the reveal itself is in public. So everyone sees live if you succeeded or if we've all failed. But I I cannot remember that goal number. What I do remember is that 
the, the bonded feeling that I felt towards my fellow executive committee members and how important many of those relationships remain to me today, that has stayed with me much longer than the, the group goal that we had set together. I think that's a really great example. And you touched on this a little bit. I'm wondering if you can say a bit more, like, what did that shared goal allow you to do as far as navigate maybe obstacles or hardships as they came up through the planning and organizing process? I think having this shared goal and this larger purpose was incredibly motivating when it came to all of the hard on the ground fundraising work we did. Like we would stand outside of the train station getting the commuters at six in the morning with cans wearing neon green vests being like, for the kids, donate to Lurie Children's Hospital. And I wouldn't have done that if not every member of that group was doing it as well. And we had this goal that we were working towards. Same thing like during the dance marathon, it was our job to keep everybody's spirits up, keep them happy. People are getting grouchy and tired and they're like, oh, I just want to sit down. And we're like, no, this is fun. Aren't you having fun? Let's have some pizza and dance. And like it was being a part of a group of people who had this shared goal that I think motivated me to put that face on and push through these things that were unpleasant and I wouldn't have done otherwise because we were in the group, we were had a team, we had a goal and we wanted to accomplish it. Yes, I'm I'm thinking about how much that also allows you to maybe not ignore but allows you to set aside as as an issue or as a distraction from that goal so that you're you're remaining focused and and purposeful towards this shared objective right because otherwise we know that when people get tired or when people get hungry namely me like you mm-hmm. can become an entirely different person and your actions can sometimes unravel the fabric of a group that you're a part of or can help to undermine building relationships but with a shared goal that people all buy into you can sort of set those pieces aside and make sure that you're moving towards a goal even if that means that you have to be a little bit selfless or a little bit you know more group minded during that time And I think that's really interesting because often we aren't talking about a specific goal. We're talking about just like living life and doing things. And it becomes a lot harder to find a shared cause with your fellow humans that allows you that same level of permission to negotiate differences or to even ignore your own needs for the object of getting something done. I think that's really interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. The last thing I'll say on this before we transition, I thought of this particular story when reading today's chapter, because even though our, our company in this chapter, the, the, the company who's going south, even though they don't succeed in overcoming Karatras, their shared goal of destroying the ring keeps them in community and bound to each other. They didn't need to succeed for the goal to keep them moving forward. Yeah, it's a, it's a big, it's a, going to be, right, a really big theme for the rest of the books. Mm-hmm. Like what, and, and that's why I was thinking about obstacles or frustrations, right? Because we know that later those really come to be some pretty 
bifurcating moments for our group. And so if we're if we're in shared community and we believe in this goal, how much does that goal supersede our own individual needs, actions, motivations, etc. And that will be a good conversation for the rest of our reading time together. Mhm. Well, that transitions us well, I think, to what is happening in the chapter. The answer is all of the things. So much. So much happens. This is a far cry from where we began, and uh, nothing happened in each chapter for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Do you want to walk us through the highlights from chapter three? Yes. Okay, so, like we said, lots of things happen. So... Elrond sends scouts to kind of figure out what's going on in the world and where the Black Riders are. When those folks return, they're like, it's chill. The Riders appear to be scattered. Now's the time to start on this journey. So they head out and Elrond identifies the folks that are going to go. And so they have nine people to sort of counter the nine Riders, right? And so for those who have seen the movie, you'll know these. Um, For those who are the chapter, you'll know these names. And just to cover it, we're doing uh, a council of Gandalf, Legolas from the Elves, Gimli of the Dwarves, Aragorn of the Men, Boromir is also coming, Pippin and Merry beg to go, and Elrond originally is very hesitant about this, but Pippin threatens to act out otherwise, and so Elrond caves. And then Frodo and Sam. So that's our fellowship. As you are naming each member of this fellowship, for some reason I'm picturing them America's Next Top Model style, like <laughs> all doing a pose and turning around as the credits roll. <laughs> I was thinking of it as like, um, like if you've ever seen a basketball game where they like shut down all the lights and then everybody runs out mm, and like gives high fives yes. to everybody. Yes. And like in the, you know, in the 90s, I'm thinking like the Chicago Bulls era, right? There was like a big production and like all of that, like do 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 and it gets all like. Hyped. Right. Boromir! Gimli of the dwarves standing at four foot eleven. He's from, you know, yeah. So, so that's our fellowship. So we have them identified. And Bilbo gives Frodo a sword, Sting, and dwarf mail to protect him. Otherwise, the company leaves with very little weaponry. But Bill the Pony does get to go. And Bill seems very excited about this. They march towards the mountains and as they are on their journey towards said mountains they realize the land is being watched um and so this effectively kills some of the cozy vibes they were having on the journey which is like oh look at the snow oh look at this like land that's so nice have this casual camping get to know one another that vibe is pretty well squashed on the way there Gandalf and Aragorn decide to go over the mountain and not under it, um, given that they'd rather face weather and watch than some unnamed fear below. They encounter a lot of snow, which may be a barrier created by the enemy, or possibly the mountain itself is fighting back. That's a little unclear. They try to keep going. Gandalf is doing what he can as a conjurer to do things, and it's really not working. The snow becomes too much. And so they decide to head back down the mountain, um, and Aragorn and Boromir have to make a path through the snow for our shorter traveler friends. And that is essentially how the chapter ends, is they went to long distance, and then they turned back some, and now have to reevaluate. It ends on a real downer. It's like, and the mountain defeated them. 
Yes. It's a real... Like, they are in need of, like, Gatorade on a hug. Yes. <laughs> to recoup... Some hot chocolate. Yeah. Recoup some energy from the struggle against the mountain. So now that we know what happened in the chapter, would you like to share with us where you saw examples of the theme? I would, yes. The first example that I want to bring to our attention is on page 310. The quote is towards the top of the page, and it's from Gandalf, and he says, I think, Elrond, that in this matter it would be well to trust rather to their friendship than to great wisdom. And this is sort of what you alluded to in in your recap of Pippin and Mary saying, we're coming no matter what. And Elrond's like, but what are you going to bring to this company? And the answer is friendship. And I think that their love and their shared goal of supporting Frodo is more important than another person with a sword or something like that. Right, because they're already in community with one another. So as opposed to making more of a high-minded plea to a greater cause, they already have sort of that intrinsic focus on helping Frodo regardless of what the task is. Right, they would be on Frodo's team no matter what goal we had set for the group. So I agree with Frodo that it's well to trust to their friendship, and it it plays out in the end. They're right, die. Yeah, they are. (laughs) The next quote that I want to look at, well, it's not really a quote. This is sort of a something that we see throughout this chapter, is that they refer to the company as the company with a capital C. And I, I like that they have a name for their group. I think it is important to have a group name. I feel like it increases the feeling of being on a team or having a goal. I'm thinking of if anyone has seen Ted Lasso, where he names his friends the Diamond Dogs. And it really is like their call signal to come together. And it's like, we're rolling. It's the Diamond Dogs. This is the company. And I hope that they are actually referring to themselves as such because I think it will increase their chances of success in having this shared name as they try to achieve their shared goal. The next part that I want to look at is on both page 322 and 323. So on those pages, Gandalf and Aragorn are discussing what they're going to do next and where they're going to go next. And then after they have decided sort of on their own and made this decision, as, as they decide to go over the mountain, Boromir says, I am asserting myself here. I know this mountain. We should have wood. And I think those two moments of leadership, one from Aragorn and Gandalf and then one from Boromir, are really key to, to reaching a shared goal. Even if you're just working in a pair and there's two people, I still think that there needs to be moments of leadership in order to successfully reach shared goals. And this this company with a capital C does a good job of people taking turns leading when they are the ones with the most knowledge or the subject matter experts for, for the situations that arise. I also think that's really helpful for making sure that if something were to happen, you don't lose leadership, right? So everybody is both aware of their skills and can provide it in situations that are specific to their skill set, which also makes them relatively resilient to a lot of situations because there isn't one person who feels as though they need to make 
every decision and that without their sort of determination, decisions can't be made. I think that makes this group that much more effective in what they're going to need to do. Right. They're resilient. Right. They are not reliant on just one. Mm-hmm. Or are they? We will discuss further in two chapters. Subscribe now. Yes. <laughs> the last moment that I saw in here that I wanted to, to bring forward is the quote on page 327 from Boromir. He says, Well, when heads are at a loss, bodies must serve, as we say in my country. The strongest of us must seek away. See! And then he, like, I, in my imaginings, he, like, runs straight into the snowdrift and, like, leaves a Boromir-sized hole as him and Aragorn plow through. Uh, <laughs> and the reason that I like this part is because similar to what we were just talking about with people taking turns leading, it's showing how the individuals in this company are playing to their strengths in order to serve a larger team goal. Aragorn helps with this snow plowing. Legolas does a little running on top of the snow to scout for them. It's a team effort in order to achieve this much smaller goal now of just getting back down the mountain. But I, I like that everyone is is playing their part. And that there is some level of self-awareness, yes. right? Like Boromir is a little self-deprecating, which is endearing because previously we've known him to be a bit of a blowhard from, from Gondor and speaking only about his specific needs and interests as it relates to the ring. So this is kind of a nice moment from him just to say, hey, I know that I'm not like necessarily leading this party or that I may be the smartest here, but I do know that I have a really big body in comparison to everybody else and that that's going to allow me to bring my strength literally to the table and to to forge a path back down the mountain. And I think that's a really key element of group dynamics is a level of self-awareness to ask or invite people in where you have some weaknesses or some opportunities for assistance and then also to advocate on behalf of yourself when you know that you have the knowledge to get what's done in the room. I agree with that and I think we should cut Boromir even more slack than we did in the in the last episode because he's also the one who's noticing that like the hobbits are cold. He's like, this is, will be the depth of, of the halflings. There's too much snow and they're too little. And I, I like that he's the one keeping an eye out for the, for the greater group. This is probably why he's so popular in Gondor is that he's, he's like looking out for everybody. Right. There does need to be some level of community care within your group as you're doing something really challenging, right? Like you can't just set a pace and expect everyone to keep to it if you need those folks to get the goal done. So if you don't pay attention to those things, you're more quickly going to lose your ability to even achieve the goal, which is like, you know, counterproductive. Right. Very counterproductive. So did you, I mean, like this whole chapter is really them having the goal of we're gonna take the ring south but first Gandalf is sort of saying like we're gonna do this first then this second and then after that let's not even think about it because it's too far in advance Mm -hmm. have you ever faced down a large project like that and not thought it all the way through to the end and do you think Gandalf is doing that or is he just not wanting to say things out loud I think that's an interesting question I've definitely faced those kinds of situations where Perhaps the answer to that third 
phase, that third question, is contingent on how the first two go. And so it's been a matter of trying to frame what we can with what we know now, but also not getting so bogged down in those future details that we aren't able to do the things that we need to do in these first couple of steps or first couple of phases. So that is something that I'm familiar with. But I think in this situation, it is a bit uncertain to me as to whether Gandalf knows more and doesn't want to burden the team with knowledge that may undercut their motivations, or if it's simply a let's tackle what we can tackle first and then we'll we'll tackle something else later. Right. I would want, if I was journeying with him, I would want him to give me like all of the scenarios and all of the possible ways he has in his mind of how this might go. Just because I, I love to hear the details. But yeah, maybe he's making this as a choice of you focus on this and then I'll focus on the next seven steps. I think that's tricky because he's also, if I can assume that he doesn't know the folks in the group well, it could be a bit challenging to read whether information is going to help or hinder the group to move forward. So not knowing how people respond to too much detail, some people tend to withdraw or some people tend to get, again, they lose motivation. So being really mindful about how and where you share things I think is important. And it also gives Gandalf a bit of an upper hand that could prove challenging if Gandalf all of a sudden, like, isn't in the group to advise them. Like, all of a sudden then, you've lost this gentle guiding hand. And what does that mean then for the group's fate? have been in a really good mood because I thought some of this chapter was quite amusing to me. (laughs) So in particular, there are two examples that I'm thinking of. And the moment isn't funny, but the way that it's written just struck me as amusing. So they were talking about, as you'd noted, taking the, the wood up the mountain and making sure that they could, you know, not freeze to death. And Sam looks at Bill the pony and says, and Bill could take a bit more, couldn't you, lad? Said Sam. The pony looked at him mournfully and i just (laughs) i just really liked that i'm picturing Um, like a womp 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 sound as bill like turns to look at sam (laughs) like you want me to do what yes Mm -hmm. the other thing that i thought was amusing again not in context but is they're talking about going up the mountain, they're burning through their wood a lot faster than they anticipated, and finally they agree that Gandalf should make a fire, and that if any watchers can endure this storm, then they'll see us whether we have fire or not, so they make, they make that decision. And then he sort of burns into the mountain, into the snow, or what have you, like, you know, this bright light from his staff. And so he says, I've written Gandalf is here in signs that all can read from Rivendell to the mouths of Anduin. And I'm just kind of imagining this as like a bit of a like begrudging, maybe a bit sarcastic, like, all right, well. Yeah, now they know. Let's see Mm -hmm. what happens, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I I was amused at the way that that was written because it feels like Gandalf has a bit of that like wry wit to him when he speaks. And I thought that was an example of that. 
Yeah, Gandalf would have definitely rather have stayed cold than lit this fire. Absolutely. He's not here for it. It's like in everyone's favorite animated TV show, Avatar The Last Airbender, when Uncle Iroh heats his tea with his <laughs> hands when they're in the Earth mm-hmm. Kingdom, and Zuko's like, God, you just told everybody that you're Fire Nation. Don't do that. And he's like, but my tea, it needed to okay, be Okay, Zuko is really good also. <laughs> Thank you. I was channeling my inner angsty teen. (laughs) And then there was this one quote that I really, really liked that I thought was a nice moment from Bilbo to Frodo on my page 312. Quote, Just a plain hobbit you look, said Bilbo, but there is more about you now than appears on the surface. And that's kind of his parting wish to Frodo. Mm -hmm. And I just, I liked that. So, we've discussed some examples. Ellen... What action item do you have for us today? So the action item that I have for us today is to set a goal with at least one other person and then jointly try to accomplish it. It's pretty simple. Maybe you want to run a 5k and sign up with a friend to train together. Or maybe you and your spouse can set a goal of cleaning out the garage. You know, it doesn't really matter what the goal is. As long as you work with at least one other person to set and achieve it. And I think from what we've talked about today, it doesn't even matter if you do achieve it. It's the act of setting the goal and working towards something with another person that is really where the the bonds of community can be built and strengthened. Great. I felt personally targeted by uh, about that garage situation. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a great goal. I'm I'm looking forward to finding something that motivates me and another person to work together to achieve something or work together to make some progress. Well, thank you for having this discussion with me today and for talking about shared goals in this chapter. We want to give a shout out to those who have left reviews on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to everyone who has rated the show. It means a lot and it helps people find it. And so thank you to those who have left reviews, including Mika, I am no man Miller, timesaddicto.o, and Trash Pimp. Today's podcast was brought to you by Karatras, not a ski mountain resort destination. Our music is by Robert Zahn and Simon Dom. If you have thoughts on today's episode or homework assignment, send us a voicemail or email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to take care of your community, stay hydrated, and thank you for joining us today in fellowship. I'm sorry, I've set my book down somewhere that is not visually apparent to me, and I can't think of where that would be because I am in a closet. Yeah, I... (laughs) Did you put it, like, down and then, like, move a sweater? Uh, Is it behind you? There's nothing behind me. I I need it for my quotes. I'm just gonna pause the recording. Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm just gonna, like, run through the house and see if I can find it. Okay, that provided an excellent visual for how this is about to happen. I'm imagining you, if you can still hear me, I'm imagining you like arms widespread, 
with searcher eyes, just like frantically looking, taking huge steps through the apartment in an attempt to find this novel. Okay, I'm back. I found it. Okay. <laughs> okay, great. Ellen? <laughs> <laughs> 